welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So, can we remember the uh, the four keys from Habakkuk? This is where everybody goes. Oh, me notes, me notes. Where's me notes? <laughs> what were they? <laughs> Find a quiet place, yep. Fix your eyes on him. Yep. That's two. Thank you, yep. And then what was number four? Brilliant. So Rebecca went over finding that quiet place yesterday, uh, not yesterday, Wednesday, yeah, um, and then Phil talked about how God speaks, that spontaneous flow, those thoughts, those visions, those whatever that come to our minds, and what I'm going to look at now is fixing your eyes on Jesus, so that look to see, because Habakkuk said, I will look to see what he will say to me. So, so Habakkuk made a conscious effort to actually focus on what God was going to say to him. So he, his mind wasn't all over the place. It was like, right, I'm going to look to see what is he saying. So you see, the thing is, what we, what we focus on will dominate our, our lives. Over the summer, I had a rather, what turned out to be a frustrating incident well not incident situation over the summer so I um we discovered that our fridge wasn't working properly so the temperature was like it was about 15 degrees in the fridge and it's meant to be between naught and four really so we contacted our landlord because the fridge belonged to the landlord um and said the fridge isn't working and he you know, said, well, I'll come out and have a look at it. And, but we'd, we'd bought a thermometer, you know, fridge thermometer. So we knew how much, what the temperature was in the fridge. So he comes out and um, at first he tries to tell me that it was working fine. But I showed him the thermometer and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I agree. So he agrees to buy, his new, buy the new fridge for the house. Brilliant. He gets on the internet that night and then rings me the next day saying that new fridge has come in the following day. And they'll take the old fridge away, bring the new fridge. Brilliant. So I needed to stay in the following, that, the, the next day. Couriers arrive with the fridge and he'd made a mistake in his order in that he'd ordered a mini fridge this big, right? Now, the ha our house is a, a, a three-bedroomed house. There's two of us living in it, a mini fridge. And we're like, ah, that's not going to work, really. Like... Too small for one person, never mind two of us, you know, like. So I took a photograph of it and sent a text back to him saying, um, thank you for being so quick, but uh, problem, it's way too small. You, you know, can you, would you consider reordering um, the right size? And then, I, I mean, the tale just gets so complicated because then he does that, but he didn't do it straight away because he 
didn't reply to my text, so I had to go through the management committee the following day, and then the following day he, he organises it to come the next day. And anyway, eventually um, he arranges for the next fridge to come. So they come out to pick it up, but they didn't turn up. Now, I had to stay in all day because I was waiting for the guys to come and take this fridge to bring the next fridge. And anyway, it just kept going on like this. They didn't turn up. They phoned me at 10 to 8 that night saying, um, oh, uh, sorry, the van broke down. We will come tomorrow. So I waited in the following day. They didn't turn up. And then so then I had to get back onto the landlord saying they didn't turn up. And he gets back onto Curry's and there's been a mix up. And then they come and then they eventually come and then they bring take the fridge away. And then they come another day to bring the other fridge. So we were a day without a fridge. And then that fridge arrives and it's damaged. It's broken. So then I, I get back onto the landlord saying, look, the fridge is damaged. And, and, and then the, he has to get back onto Curry's and then they have... It, it took, I suppose, time-wise, it was like just over two weeks, but six days I had to wait in for curries to, to come, right? It was ridiculous. We got there in the end. I now have a nice fridge that's the proper size under-counter fridge that we're happy with. But in that two weeks, I cannot believe how focused I was on the fridge. Like, it dominated my mind. Like, all I could think about, and every time I was in conversation with a friend or everything, I'd end up talking about the fridge, and then I'd be thinking to myself, they must be so bored listening to this story about a fridge. I mean, it's silly, really, isn't it? I was dominated by it because I was focused on it. So what, what we focus on, we'll end up being dominated by, and, and that will begin to influence our life and influence what we think what we do how we speak are you with me right now that's just a silly illustration but for that two weeks that fridge dominated me so when we talk about fixing our eyes on Jesus what what I just want to talk about is where is our focus um, um, and where is our focus in life? Where, is, where, where are we focusing on and what are we focusing? Um, because what we focus on will, will influence how we think and will also influence how we hear what God says. Are you with me? Yes. You are good. I come back to that bit. So there's there's a, a story in the Bible which illustrates this really, really well. How what we focus on can influence how we hear what God says. And it's the story, you can find it in Numbers chapter 22 through to chapter 24. We're not going to read the whole story because it's quite long numbers. Numbers. 22 through to 24. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. No, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the fourth book, Numbers. Uh, I don't know what you... 
Who are you focusing on? <laughs> what are you focusing I'm on? <laughs> You're not focusing on me. Focus on me when I am speaking. <laughs> there is the question in hand. She's not listening. <laughs> Numbers, okay? No, 22, chapter 22 through to chapter 24. It's a, it's a whole story which I'm going to summarise. I'm not going to read, but you, you know, you may well, if you get some spare time, um, have a read of that story. But it's a story, it starts with a guy called Balak, who is a king, um, and he... He's the king of a nation that is near to the nation of Israel. So Israel's, it's during the time where Israel's sort of like wandering around in the desert in that 40-year period. And so he sees, that, you know, the, the nation of Israel and he's quite concerned because of the, the strength and power of Israel. And so Balak clearly has an understanding of the power of the tongue because he decides that what a good idea would be was, would be to get a prophet of God to come along and curse Israel. Because if, they, if he can get them to do that, then the Israel will like start to falter. Right? So he comes up with a plan and he sends messages to a guy called Balaam who, who hears God. Okay? And, and people obviously reckon he's obviously recognises someone who is a seer or someone who is a prophet who can hear God. So, so Balak, this king, gets, Bal sends messages to Balaam. And the message is, will you come with us to King Balak because he wants you to speak over the Israeli people? So, so Balaam says, oh, well, actually, I need to just, talk to God about this and check out what God says. Oop, oh, oh. Sorry. You all right? No harm done, except to the mug. No problem. You all right? <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, yeah, so Balaam's saying to God, God, I, I, I've been asked to go with these guys to Balak. Um, what what is your response to that? And God replies to Balaam, no, do not go. Right, pretty clear. So Balaam goes back to the, the representatives of the king and says to them, um, you know, just go back to King Balak and say that God said, I'm not to come with you. Should have been the end of the story, right? And quite a clear instruction. So the guys go back to the king and they explain to the king that Balaam has said, no, God has told me not to come with you. Um, so the king thinks, right, I'm going to try again. So he tries again. This time he tries again, sending more noble people. So people that are a little bit higher up the, the, the chain of authority. And he also sends the promise of uh, a gift, a handsome reward, it says, so a big reward is now being offered to Balaam to come to Balak. So, so now, Balak, these guys come and they say to Balak, um, the king is, is requesting again, will you come to him um, because he has this job for you to do? 
What should have been Balaam's response, do you think? Exactly, yeah. So Balaam should have said, well, no, God has said no. However, his response was, let me go and talk to God. Right. So he goes back into the prayer closet or wherever he has his conversations with God and he says, should I go? This time he hears, yes, go. Right? Which is a little bit odd because God seems to have changed his mind. So he gets his donkey and he takes his stuff, whatever he needs for the journey, and he gets on his donkey and off he goes down towards King Balak. On his way, the donkey starts to play up a little bit. He starts to sort of falter and he keeps stopping. And he, he, Balaam is just like, what is wrong with this donkey? I mean, this is his faithful donkey. He's had this donkey for years and he's never had a problem with this donkey before. But now the donkey is like, he keeps stopping. So Balaam starts like, you know, I don't know how, you know, maybe kicking his donkey. Come on, go, you know, keep. Go, 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 come on. And so the donkey moves a little bit further forward and, and then he stops again and, and it starts to really, really get um, Balaam angry because this donkey is not doing as he's being told. Right? I don't know if you've ever had a dog or something that's you know, doing the wrong thing and you're like, hey, stop it. So, so he's, and eventually um, the donkey comes to like this narrow bit of the road and and he stops, but, but he, he moves over and, and like bangs Balaam's leg against the, the wall. And, and now Balaam is so angry. He gets off his donkey and starts beating the donkey, to which something very unusual then takes place because God opens the mouth of the donkey. And the donkey's like, hey, Balaam, what are you doing? Like, stop it. I am a faithful donkey, am I not? There is a reason why I have stopped. I've stopped to save your life because look, the angel of God is there and he's about to kill you if we carry on. I'm paraphrasing, but you can read the story in the Bible. And, and then as, as the donkey is explaining this to Balaam, God opens the eyes of Balaam and Balaam sees the angel and realises that actually God sent him to stop Balaam from doing something that he'd already said don't do. Right? And then, and then, you know, Balaam has another conversation with God. Balaam ends up actually going, but instead of cursing Israel, he ends up blessing Israel, which doesn't please King Balak. But you can, re you can read the story. Um, but it's just, the whole story is really just quite interesting because Balaam hears something and then hears something completely different. And then God has to do something really drastic to stop him from doing what he didn't want him to do. And when I, I you know, when I first read that story and as a kid, when I, I heard that story and I used to think, why did God tell him to go and then get angry with him? Why, you know, why, why did God say no and then say yes and then say no? And then, you know, like what, what was that all about? And it, was, it wasn't until I realised that actually... It wasn't God that changed his mind. It was Balaam who was, wasn't hearing clearly. He'd got so focused on the reward. That's what he was focused on. That's what he wanted. That was what he was 
really wanting God to say. And, and it just, it got him confused. And he ended up hearing the wrong thing. So it wasn't that God had changed his mind. It was that stuff had got in the way of Balaam hearing clearly. Um, can I just have three volunteers? One, two, three. Perfect. If you could just come and stand here for a minute. Okay. Now, um, those of you that are not volunteered, which one do you think looks the most godlike out of these two gentlemen? <laughs> now you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I won't. <laughs> actually, no. I'm going to choose you because they're just height-wise, right? So if you just stand on that in there. Me? Yeah, if you would. It's nothing to do with the fact that he looks more holy. I'm only joking. Right, so... Let's assume that this is God, okay? And Rose has a question for God, right? So if you, you and Rose and God face each other a second, if you would, okay? Now, but Jonas is something that Rose really wants in life, whatever that might be, a distraction. So I want you just to stand in the middle. Right, now try and get close to God, if you would. I know God is in us, so this, this illustration is a little bit like wrong in many ways, but, but for the point of what I'm trying to say, try to have a conversation with God about what it is that you want. Right? Go a bit closer. Stand in front of her. Right? Yeah. So, so try and have a conversation. Try and stop her. Yeah? Do you see the point? He's trying to reply something, but he's so big. All she can see is him, not what God is saying. You got it? What Rose needs to do is just put that to one side. Right? Then she can have a conversation with God about it. And that's what this, this little talk is all about. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well done, guys. Yay! Great. Great. Great action. I know, yeah. <laughs> we should go into theatre, definitely. <laughs> When you do your outreaches, you can do drama on the streets and you can really go for it. <laughs> do you know what? I'm not, when, when we did outreach, we, we uh, did do drama on the streets. It's good fun, actually. So give me some examples of, of what Jonas could have been in that illustration. So, speak up. Sorry. The first thing that came to my mind was like, I can really want a new house. But I'm not sure sort of whether it would be the best thing or not. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's distracting me from. I know what I mean. It's probably just not. The one to <laughs> the love of another person. 
So, so it's not a rubbish answer, actually, but, yeah, so, so, yeah. Profession, job, role, yeah, yeah, work, yep. Yep. Yeah. Even fridges, <laughs> you know. I think it's anything really that that places itself on a higher level than in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, than, than God. Okay. Now, most of these things that we've just mentioned, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. It's good to pursue a job. It's good to, you know, think about move, moving house. There's nothing wrong with having a new house. There's nothing wrong with, with being in love with someone. I mean, it, it's all godly stuff. It's all... It's all right and good, but it's just who's on the throne, I think, is the question. Who's, who's actually on the throne of your heart? Where is your real focus in life? And that, that, is, that is the question that I just want us to think about. And please hear me. I, this isn't about feeling bad or feeling... I, I don't want anyone to feel bad. This isn't where I'm coming from at all, Okay. But I just want us to, to look at where our focus is, okay? I love, I love what happened when Jesus went to visit his friend Lazarus um, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, um, in, the, in, the, you know, in the New Testament. He arrives, and if you think about, I, I mean, I, I just think, oh, poor Martha. He arrives on their doorstep with his 12 mates, all right? So you've got 13 grown men to turn up at your doorstep. And it's no wonder Martha was in a tears. You know, like, I would be in a bit of a tears. I'd be like, oh, have I got enough pasta? What should I usually use? Rice, pasta, what? if I'm going to feed these people, how are we going to do it? You know, I can imagine why Martha was running around crazy. But she got distracted by work. She got distracted. Actually, you could even say that she got distracted by Christian ministry because she was focusing on what she should do rather than sitting down and listening to what Jesus said. And, and in fact, she got angry with her sister for not doing either, right? She was so distracted that she just, you know, eventually she says, Jesus, will you tell Mary to come and help me? And I just love Jesus' response. He's like, oh, Martha, you're so distracted. You're so busy. You're so um, caught up with all this stuff. I know you love ministering to me, and I know that you're preparing me a meal, but Mary's chosen the better thing. And it won't be taken away from her. That's what Jesus said. Mary had chosen to spend that time with her lover, just listening to what he had to say building that relationship, learning from him, growing from him. And I, 
I mean, the, I love that story on so many levels. I mean, just just that whole Jesus allowing a woman to sit at his feet listening to him was actually showed his heart for women in the first place. I mean, being a woman, that blesses me. I'm like, yeah, Jesus wants a relationship with women as well as men. You know, he's, he wants women to learn from him as well as men because traditionally it was just the men that would sit at the feet of the rabbi not the women so so jesus broke all that norms and and he's like come on mary sit at my feet listen to what i've got to say and then he says to martha she's chosen the better thing he didn't say to martha what you've chosen is wrong he didn't rebuke her he encouraged her to change her priorities he encouraged her to change her focus and i think that that's what, what I'm talking about, is it's, it's changing your focus, changing your mind. And I'm going to use the word repent. It's, it's repenting of the stuff that's in your life that's in the way. Now, I, I, I don't know if you've had any teaching so far this week on what repentance is. No? <laughs> Let me just explain, because... I know um, growing up, I was always told that repentance was this whole turning away from your sin and turning back to God and there was lots of remorse and sadness and, you know, stuff in that. And, and that's kind of kind of the, the way that I was taught growing up and why, how a lot of people in the church is being taught. And then I, I heard, I think it was Bill Johnson or his son Eric or someone um, say that actually repentance is metanoia which means to change the way you think and I'm like that's not what I've been told so I did a bit of a word study um, because I, I don't normally take things just from face value when someone says it from a pulpit I normally check it out so I decided to check it out and so I did and what I discovered is something quite interesting in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there are two words that are used for the word repent. One is, and I'm not a, Greek, a Hebrew scholar, so I have no idea how to actually say it. Um, but in English, it's spelled shuv. And that means to return back to God. And the other one is nikam or nicham, which means to feel sorrow, sadness and remorse. So in the Old Testament, you find that when they talk about repentance, they used to do it in such a way that they would actually take off their nice, comfortable clothes and they'd put on this like scratchy stuff, this sackcloth that, that would be really uncomfortable and would itch their skin on purpose because they wanted to punish themselves. And then they'd go and they'd take ash and they'd put this ash all over them to represent how dirty and sorrowful and sad they were. And they'd go and sit on this ash and you heard the the phrase sitting in sackcloth and ashes that's how repentance is in the old testament but when we come to the new testament and and i don't know why whoever translated the bible into english why they use the same word so so they use the same word from the hebrew they translated into those two words into repent they also translated the word metanoia into re the word repent, and I think that's a mistake because it doesn't mean the same thing at all. So the, exactly, so the Greek word 
that is used in the New Testament, like, for example, when Peter gets up and at the day of Pentecost and he preaches his sermon to all those people and, and then like the question is asked, so what do we do? What do we do about this? And he says, repent and be baptised. You're familiar with, with that, yeah? What Peter was saying was, he wasn't saying go home, get in sackcloth, get ash all over you, get all really remorseful, feel really sorry for all the sins that you've done and, and, and turn back to God, turn away from you. He wasn't saying that. He was saying metanoia, which means it's time to believe the truth. It's time to change what you think. Metanoia means um, basically change the way you think. It's he had just preached a sermon about Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, a whole bunch of people in that crowd at one point, just several weeks before, had been shouting, crucify this man. Okay, so, so, so now they're, in, in the, they're now listening to Peter and he's like, this Jesus who you crucified was actually died for you. He's the one that, you know, came to save you. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. I can promise you that we have witnessed the fact that he rose again and now he's, you know, wanting to save you. And they're like, what do we do? He's basically saying, now it's time for you to change what you think rather than be like crucify him. It's like, no, I'm going to believe now what you, what you just said. And that, that's what the new, when they talk about repentance in the New Testament, most of the time it's, it's that metanoia, which, you know, they're saying basically start believing the truth. Change your mind on this subject. It's massive. Now, now when, when you get to know Jesus, there will be a turning away from sin because as, as you get to know his heart, as you get to know him and he gets to know you, you're going to want to be more like him and you're going to become more like him and his grace will fill you. And as his grace fills you and as you, it, it empowers you to become more like him and as you become like him, you'll do less of the sin and you will naturally turn away from the sin. But there's no remorse or sorrow or regret. It's, it's I'm choosing to believe. Does that, are, are you with me? Mm -hmm. Believe in the truth that you died for me. I accept you, Jesus. And then you step into that. And then his grace and his righteousness starts to change you. Rather than you try to change yourself to come to him, it's, it's really quite, quite important that we get that. And you'll probably hear this over and over again and lots of different ways as different, different teachers on iDestiny talk about their story or whatever. So when I say we need to repent of the things that we've placed in our heart that it seems to us to be bigger than, than, than God, <laughs> you know, like we've, we've ended up putting something on, on a pedestal above him or whatever, we just need to repent of that. New Testament style and say okay like in that little illustration she said shove out of the way <laughs> shift is that what you said shift out of the way basically it's just you know what I'm just going to place you here I'm not going to say that you're necessarily wrong but I'm just going to lay you down and I'm just going to focus on my lover Jesus Christ and I'm going to focus on him my eyes are going to be fixed on him I'm going to have conversations with him and he's going to love on me 
he will direct me he will he and and as i get to know him i will get to experience his desires you know in in um, psalm i think it's psalm 37 i can't remember but it you know it says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart yeah. now i i also oh you know if i delight in him he's going to give me everything that i've always wanted right until I went to the school of ministry and then I realized actually as I delight in him he gives me desires that he want that he knows is best for me right the reason the reason is let me just I'm going slightly off track here but let me just tell you um a few years before I went to the school of ministry my brother did and I went out to visit uh, him um spent a week there went to a conference met him and his mates whatever um, one, one afternoon, he said to me, I think you're going to come here. And he said it, he saw it prophetically. And I'm like, uh-uh, no chance, right? So my response to him was, no. And I'm quite a di- I can be quite direct. I don't mince my words very, very well. You know, like I don't flower them up or anything very often. And I'm like, nope, not coming here. I'd seen the accommodation for one. Two, I knew the plan for my life. I was in social work and I had a plan. I was going to um, open up a family centre and do... This was my plan for my life. I knew what I was doing. And, and so it was no, not, no, not happening. And then uh, <laughs> over the next couple of years, God started to speak to me about his desire. And his desire was for me to go into ministry, not to carry on down that road of social work. Um, but he just began to speak to me about that, okay? And what was interesting was, to cut a long story short, um, eventually I felt him say to me that he wanted me to go to Toronto. It was, it was through a series of prophetic words and, and also just, just a, a knowing um, inside. I had this conflict and the, the conflict was it for me it was a big risk and I'm I'm what you would call someone who's an analyst I, I like to shape I like to plan I like to have you know my plan in place and to actually lay my plan down and go to a school of ministry for five months without knowing what's going to happen at the end of that financially that was a big risk I lay you know like so it it was a bit of a problem for me here, but my heart was like, it feels right, I should do it. My head was saying, this is stupid, I don't think that's a good idea, it's not very responsible, etc., etc. So, So I had this like conflict going on, and I'd said to God, okay, I will apply and see what happens. So I, I was dead honest in my application form, hoping, you know, maybe they would say, oh no, this, she's not really the right person for for our school of ministry sort of thing and but they came back with a yes so then i'm like okay i'll go to the school of ministry and still not sure whether i really wanted to in my head i don't know if you've ever experienced that but but my head was panicking a bit and then um about two weeks before i was about to leave work and then fly out to to toronto I was coming home for work and I'm like counting the days. I'm like, oh, two weeks to go. And suddenly this excitement rose up and I'm like, where did that come from? 
I'm excited. I really want to go. I can't wait to get there. How did... What happened? And I can't remember at what point I switched from, I really don't want to do this, but I'm doing it because I feel like this is something you want me to do, to, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get there. And I can't remember, and I don't know, remember, I don't know how it happened, and except that I delighted in God. I, I chose to just focus on him and go with what I sensed him saying to me, and then said so the next thing, I can't wait to get there. Somehow, by delighting in him, I ended up with a desire that I think his, for his plan for me is, you know, what he felt was something that he wanted me to do. So, so now I went there, and to be quite honest, it was the best thing I have ever done, right? Uh, people say to me, so can you summarize what happened to you on the School of Ministry? And, and my summary would be, I found myself. I discovered who I am. Because growing up, I was always my dad's daughter. He was in, on the leadership of the church. Um, and so I was just Alan's daughter, which wasn't a bad thing to be. But I wasn't myself yet. I had plans. I had, you know, ideas. And, um, but when I was at the school in ministry, God sorted out some inner healing stuff he set me free he gave me some really had some massive paradigm shifts you know so did a lot of biblical new testament repenting of some of the stuff that i had been believing i realized that actually wasn't quite correct um and and i just came away completely different and god was it was just the best thing and so i'm glad i kind of you know, like, he knows what's best. And, and he was just like, this is what I want for you. And I know that what I'm doing now is, is way better than ever, ever being a... So I mean, I enjoyed being a social worker. I enjoyed the, the interaction with the clients. But, but actually teaching people, and I do so-so ministry, and I pray with people, and I help people, set, you know, get free and, and honestly... I feel so much more alive just because I know that I've stepped into something that, that is more who I am than, than what I was trying to be, if that makes sense. So, so when, we, when we are focusing on Jesus and we're getting to know him, he, he, it's a little bit weird, isn't it? Because the moment we say yes to him, we become in him and he becomes in us. So you can't, in one sense, get any closer to him than what you already are now. But exactly, it's becoming, it's, it's aligning your thought processes, it's aligning your whole being. And, and the more we spend just focusing on him and, and listening to his heartbeat for us and our heartbeat begins to beat at the same time and we become more and more like him. And... It's just an amazing journey. And so like, like Martha, or let, no, like Mary, I mean, <laughs> let's be like Mary. I'm sure she didn't just sit there on a bum all the life. There will have been times when she was in the kitchen and preparing meals. And I'm sure after Jesus had finished speaking, she got up and, and helped serve him his meal. You know, like, there's probably more to the story, but... 
but her focus was on him. And, and that's, that's what I want to encourage us today. Let's, let's focus. Just one more little illustration. Um, and I've not been half, half as long as I need to have been. We're going to have lots of spare time this morning, but we can do some journaling, sorry. Yes. Yes, I think that was a different occasion. And I'm not sure it's the same Mary. I think it was Mary Madeline. Yeah, Mary. Ma yeah, Mary Madeline did that. Um, she was the lady who, um, for many years, probably through childhood trauma or whatever, she had become really sort of um, what one might describe as de demon-possessed. So, so she was tormented and, and um, in a terrible state, possibly a prostitute. She, she, was in, she was in a bad way. She met with Jesus and he, he just, well, he set her free, um, changed her life completely and... Um, and she just was devoted um, to him. Um, there's the other, there's, yeah, so, so there's another lady who came and, and anointed his feet. We're not sure if it's the same story or another occasion, um, just a different version. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this, this particular instance, it was just Jesus came by with his disciples um, Lazarus was a good friend of his and um, Mary and Martha were his sisters and he came to their home um, just got to sit at his feet so what we're going to do now is what I want you to do is I just want you to just have a conversation with God and just say you know what Father is there anything and again, this isn't to make us feel bad or, you know, God never condemns he or he's not into the business of that. But, but let's ask him, God, is there anything that, that's potentially in the way of, of you and I in our conversation? Um, and then I want you to just ask him the question and then just say, you know what, God, I'm going to repent of that New Testament style. I'm going to make a choice today just to lay that aside and, and I don't necessarily have to throw it out because it might not be a bad thing but I'm just going to take it off a pedestal. I'm going to put it down on the floor where it belongs and I'm going to choose to focus on you, whatever it is. So let, let's just ask him and he might say to you, well actually no, I don't think there is so and if he does, don't worry, just ask him another question and Let's just take maybe 15 minutes now. And you might want to record it in your journal just to finish this session. Um, and if you feel you need to carry on talking to God about whatever it is that you're talking to him right now, then do do that, you know, like. Um, but David, um, in Psalm 32 kind of just sums up and, and when you think you know like this is Old Testament he, 
he, he should have really, he was a man born out of his time, it seems. He seemed to have a revelation of the, the goodness and grace of God. Um, but this is what he says. He says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of many waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And it says, I, this is God then replying to David, I will instruct and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not let, be like the horse and the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bitten bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. And he just, you know, enjoyed the forgiveness and the love and the grace of God in his presence. Um, and then he's like, you know what, don't be like the mule who has to be controlled and and told what to do. Be someone who is in relationship and, and enjoys relationship. Be someone who is surrounded by the Lord's unfailing love and be someone who trusts him. You know, that's what David's saying there. Be like that. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's God's heart, you know. Thank you for listening to the Our Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.